Lord have mercy. Hi, Sister Esther. Hi. Hey, Sister Esther, can you hear the music? Let me know if you hear the music. You don't hear it? Hold on. Let me know if you hear it now. Okay. Hi. Let me do this. Let me do this. Let me do this. Let's see. Let me know if you can hear this. Because the Lord is my shepherd. Can you hear this, Sister I Esther? Have everything I need. He lets me rest in the middle Okay. And <laughs> he leads me beside the quiet street. Here is yours, my friend. Yes. He helps me to do what I want to say the most. That's why I'm saved. That's why I'm saved. Yes. When 
Yeah, this is my jam. Yes. Every sunshine. <laughs> that is my jam. You're welcome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. 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 Yes, 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 yes. Yes, that is the that is it. Boy, that is it. That's it. That's it. Yes, that is it. Lord have mercy. That is it, you guys. Okay. This is the conclusion. This is the conclusion. This is the conclusion. Let's see, share this to your pages. Share, share, share. I'm trying to give everybody an opportunity to come on in. Amen. I'm not sure. There we go. Tune in now for the conclusion of this series, what God has called us to peace. Let them depart. Amen. Amen. Let them depart. Amen. 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 Okay. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, Real quick, tune in. All right. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay. I'm just trying to get to where I need to get to, you guys, before I get started, because this is the conclusion, and I don't want anybody to be left out. I don't want anybody to be left out. All right. 
All right, all right, all right. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Hey, Pam. Thank you, Sister Esther. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you. We're going ahead now and we're getting started. All right, here we go. All right, we're getting started. Hello, Minister Laquanda. Good to see you on here. Um, if y'all want to say hello to me and let me know who's on here, let me take my glasses off. All right, this is the conclusion. The conclusion to, but God hath called us to peace. When I do, turns into I don't, the wows of the vows. So on today, I'm giving a quick recap on um, the previous lessons. Just a quick recap of everything that I had gone over from day one. So also, if you want to go back um, and watch them from the beginning, um, you can do that as well. But I'm going to give a quick recap um, of what, um, we have done in, but God has called us to peace, talking about um, let them go. If they choose, if the unbeliever choose to depart, let them go. The brother, a brother, he didn't say the brother, he said a brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. Verse 16 says, but how do you know, O man? How do you know, O woman, that you can't save your husband, that you can't save your wife and bring them to Jesus Christ? Amen. And so many times we use that scripture. God said, I can let him go. God said, I can leave. It was never God's intentions for us to divorce. It was never God's intentions for us to divorce. Um, it was God's intentions for us to marry a Christian. It is God's intentions for us to marry before having sex. It was God's intentions for us not to get caught up in what the unbeliever is doing. Okay. So when I do turns into I don't came about, hello, evangelist Badger came about in, um, you can you share this to your encouraging yourself page too, Angela, uh, Sister Evangelist Badgett. Listen, I talked about in 2016, me walking away from my marriage again for the second time. But this time around, I didn't seek man's approval. This time around, I had a conversation with Jesus. This time around, before I made a rash decision, before I made a sudden move, I prayed and sought the Lord for direction for clarity, for instruction, and what I needed to do. And even when I said to God, what happens, God, when I do, turns into I don't. What happens when I no longer want to follow the vows that I made before my husband? What happens when I walk? I want to walk away from the covenant? What happens when I no longer want to deal with the situations and the issues and the accusations and the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment? What happens when I no longer want to keep reminiscing and hearing and dealing with all of this stuff from what somebody else is doing. I just want to walk away because why? I told God, I just want peace. I just want peace in my marriage. I just want peace in my home. I just want peace in my relationship. I just want peace within myself. Amen. And so when I ask God again the second time, what do I do when I do 
Turns out to I don't. And a light bulb went off on the top of my head. And Lord said, you're doing what you didn't do then. You're doing what you should have done then. And that is you're, you're seeking me first. You're asking me first. You're, 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 you're needing some questions from me first. Basically, what he said is you're doing what you didn't do then. You're praying. You're crying. You're reaching out. You're not on the phone calling your friends. You're not on the phone calling your family members, but you're sitting on your bed and your bags are packed and you are ready to go, but you stopped and you and you decided to seek me first. Lord have mercy. Hello, Sister Venencia. Good to see you on here, woman of God. And I do believe that when I was in that place, regardless of what put me in that place, it was the fact that I was tired, that I, I knew that in the last 10 years um, were great for my husband and I, but there was just some things that wasn't let go of. And it wasn't that we were throwing things in each other's face, but what happened was when my husband made a decision to say, I will give you the benefit of the doubt and you can give me the benefit of the doubt, but we never handled the situation. We never talked about the situation. We never got deep and dirty with the situation. We just listened and obeyed God and just left it there. And when we left it there, some things in our heart, it grows, it grows and grows. Some things that we see, there's a trigger. Some things that we hear, there's a trigger. Some things that we face, there's a trigger. And what happens is we don't take care of those triggers. Oh, y'all don't hear me. We don't handle those triggers. We feel like we obey God, but we obey God without question. We obey God without instruction. We obey God without direction. Amen. And long story short, um, again, that was a recap of when, when I do come, when I do turns into I don't. That was my recap. That was me of letting you know. Um, hello, Pastor Hunt. That's that's me letting you know where when I do turns into I don't, the wows of the vows came from. So so when I started this series. But God has called us to peace because the brother or the sister is concerned at Christians. So the Christian brother, the Christian sister, if the unbeliever decides to walk away, the Bible tells us, let them go. Because God has called us to peace. But when we remarry, we must remarry a Christian. And I said this earlier and hear me. Second. Corinthians 6, 14 and 17, the message version. Don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership. That's war. So when you decide to marry and you're with your boyfriend and your girlfriend and you're desiring to be married, but one of you don't believe in God. One of you don't go to the house of God. One of you don't believe in paying tithes. One of you don't believe in serving the Lord. One of you believe in still selling drugs. One of you still believe in becoming a, a, a staying a stripper. One of you, which means when I say one of you, that means one of you is the unbeliever. The Christian if both of you are Christians, then both of you will come together and want to work on your marriage, want to restore your marriage, want to seek help, want to seek guidance, 
want to seek direction. But what happens when the unbeliever doesn't want to come to where you are? It's not for you to go where the unbeliever is. It's for you to bring the unbeliever to where you are, Christian man, Christian woman. God just said, you got to leave the corruption and leave the compromise and leave it for good because he doesn't want you linked up to those who's going to pollute you or pollute your relationship or pollute your marriage. Christian man, Christian woman. Oh, y'all don't hear me. Listen, I'm giving a small little recap. So I'm running through this before I get to my last thing, the conclusion. You got to be able to understand woman needs to be submissive and the husband, let me, let me not say husband and wife. The woman needs to learn how to be submissive. The husband, the man needs to learn how to be, um, to love his wife as, as God loves the church, as Jesus loved the church. We humans are the church. We're the body of believers. So, okay. If you want to marry an unbeliever and they might not even started out being an unbeliever at first, but what happens when it shifts? Oh, y'all don't hear me. I'm talking about what happens when it shifts. What happens when it goes into another direction? What happens when the good turns into the bad? What happens when I do turns into I don't? What happens when you're no longer talking to me respectfully? Now you're talking to me disrespectfully. What happens when it shifts? If you are a Christian, when it shifts, then you got to want to lead them to Christ. You got to need to lead them to the cross. You can't be um, pretending to be somebody in the home. And then when you get to the house of God, you're speaking in tongues. You're running around the church. You're praising and worshiping God. You're singing to the, to the high top of your voice. But when you're at home, you're cussing him out. When you're at home, you're, you're doing things to her that you shouldn't be doing. So if you want to lead your unbelieving spouse to Christ, your character, your integrity has to change. You have to lead them. They got to see the light in you. If they are in, if they're walking in darkness, you can't walk in darkness. Some of you got to turn. Some one of you is going to have to cut that light on. Who is the light? Jesus Christ. Amen. So when I talked about we're not under bondage in such cases, Christian man, Christian woman. Therefore, you can't we can't be given one sided information. That means we got to take responsibility for our actions. We got to look at what we're doing and look at what we're not doing. Oh, I'm trying to help you. Recap. Listen. So when I asked those questions on the day before yesterday, do you have trouble telling people no without explaining your decision? Do you make decisions to protect the feelings of others? Do you constantly inconvenience yourself for the convenience of others? Do you go out of your way to make sure others are happy even when it's not something you want? Do you make decisions out of duty or desire? Do you stay awake at night wondering what others think about you? Wondering what your husband think about you? Wondering what your wife think about you? Do you have difficulty being honest with others for fear of being rejected or from others withholding love or affection? So many times we find ourselves compromising and allowing corruption to come into our relationships or our marriage because we have a fear of being rejected. We have a fear of not being loved. Lord have mercy. Some of you should have been on this whole thing. Oh, or uh, is the unbeliever, I'm recapping, is the unbeliever playing the mental game? 
I told y'all there were six ways that the devil falsely keeps you in bondage. Shame, torment, fear, guilt. I forgot one. <laughs> fear, guilt, shame, torment. Shame, torment, fear, guilt. I am missing the paper, but it's okay. We're moving on from there. Okay, so those were those were some of the things that I was telling you how the unbeliever will keep you in those places. And I told you three things that you needed for yourself that you got to be before the unbeliever. You got to choose to live like Jesus. You got to know your identity. And you got to take ownership. Take ownership of what? You got to own your boundaries. You got to own your no. You got to own your emotions. You got to own your health. You got to own your eyes. I mean, own your yeses. And you got to own your thoughts. But more importantly, you got to take ownership of your peace. Why? Because God has given us peace. I said earlier in Philippians, and I believe it's in, um, uh, I said, what did I say? I gave y'all scripture. I gave y'all scripture. Let me go back. Um, I gave y'all a scripture. That main scripture that y'all needed to that y'all needed to have, and of course I don't have it. I don't have it with me right now. So, but I want to say it was Philippians chapter four, verse. Um, let me see. I am missing a paper, and I believe this is it right here. Nope, that ain't it. Um, I'm missing a paper. I don't want to get stuck on this, but so if I don't find it. I'm going to walk away from it. And some of you will just have to go back and re-watch. Here it is. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Philippians 4 and 7. Yes, Philippians 4 and 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Thank you, Sister Esther. But it's not 2 Corinthians 4. It's 2 Corinthians 6. Except it's 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 17. Yes, Sister Esther, you can still hear me. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm sorry, chapter 6, 14 through 17 is where God told us not to be in corruption and compromise. But Philippians 4 and 7 tells us that our hearts and our minds should be kept through Christ Jesus because um the peace of God passes all understanding. Some things we're not going to understand. Amen. So when it shifts, we got to learn how we got to know our race. What did I say? Our, our goals were we had to know our race, know how to exercise and know how to fight. That's a recap. Amen. So that was the recap on the last um, four lessons of the series that we did. So now we here we are in our conclusion that but God has called us to peace. Hello, um, uh, Sister Denise, how are you, woman of God? Hey, Charnette, how are you? Hey, Pastor Wooten, good to see you all on here. Listen, so I, I need to say this again, and we we all need to understand that that scripture, First Corinthians chapter seven. Verse 15, it says, 
if the unbelieving chooses to depart, let him go. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. But it says in 16, how do you know, husband, that you can't save your wife? How do you know, wife, that you can't save your husband? You have to be able to understand that in such cases, we're not bound to captivity. But if the unbeliever chooses to walk away, it tells us Christian women, Christian husbands to let them go. But when you remarry, you must remarry a Christian because it's God's intentions to death do us part. Jesus told the Pharisees in Matthew 19, because of the hardness of your hearts to put away your wives, but from the beginning, it was not so. God never told us to divorce. Marriage and that covenant is forever. But when we make the mistake or we feel like we just cannot stay, somebody say, God will give you that one. I'm going to write it. God will give you that one. That one what? Second chance. Boom. God will give you that one. That one what? Second chance. God is a God of second chance. Because we all know that when it shifts, the first thing we say is, that wasn't God. Surely, God doesn't want me to be miserable. God doesn't want me to be unhappy. God doesn't want me to be in this relationship with my husband or with my wife who keeps cheating on me, who keeps beating on me, who keeps verbally abusing me, who keeps emotionally abusing me. Surely, God did not put me in this position for me to be mistreated when the scripture says that my husband is supposed to love me as he as Christ as Christ loves the church or my or he didn't give me this wife when my wife is supposed to be submissive she's supposed to be working with me walking beside me loving me not hurting me not putting me down we've all said it we have all said it so we have to ask the question why do we say that when it shifts? Because we don't believe that God will put us in a position to be married to somebody who is this person. But it's in scripture. Can we talk about Hosea? Oh, I'm in my conclusion now. Oh, I'm in my conclusion. I'm where I'm where I need to be now. I'm right, I'm right where I need to be now. In this conclusion. We have to understand that when we marry, we're going to go through some stuff, some major, some minor, but 
if we say that God placed us in this place of position, then we got to trust and have faith that God is going to turn that thing around. Then we got to believe that God is using us to bring that brother or bring that sister. No, let me say this to bring that unbelieving spouse to Christ. We got to believe that God, that there's, that God has given us gifts, that God has given us the measure of strength, that God has given us the measure of faith, that God has given us the, me the measure of trust, that there's something inside of us that can lead that unbeliever, that unbeliever either back to Christ or back or to Christ. Because here's the thing. Troubles happen. Struggles happen. Backslides happen. If backslide, if the, the, a backslider is a Christian who have walked away from God. A sinner is a person who hasn't been in a relationship with God yet. So if the unbeliever used to be a believer, then you, Christian man, or you, Christian wife, should have enough character and, and, and integrity and the faith in God and the trust in God that you're, that you're going to be able to lead them back to the cross. But if you're falling short, if you're walking in darkness, if you're allowing corruption and compromise, and you're allowing that unbeliever to pollute you and the marriage, then you're no better than they are. And so therefore, God said that you're no longer walking together. There's now war, not only in your home, but in your marriage. And so now, because you can't handle it, you can't endure, you can't persevere, you can't continue to run the race, you now have forgot to exercise your faith. So you would say, I'm done. I'm washing my hands. I'm done. God will never say out of his mouth. He will never tell you to get a divorce. But he will give you peace about your decision concerning the unbeliever. But he turns around and says, Lord have mercy. But he turns around and says, but how do you know? Listen, can I, can I pretend that I'm having a conversation? Well, no, I ain't even got to, I ain't even, I don't even have to pretend because this is a conversation that I had with God when I was about to walk out of my marriage. Even when I said that, oh, hold on, something's burning. Hold on, I forgot to put the kids' lunch in. Hold on. And know that it is a straight fail because I burned it. Because <laughs> I forgot I put it in. But anyway, so hello, Jeffrey. Good to see you on here, man of God. So listen, so let me say this. Me having a conversation with the Lord, uh, give, trying to get permission to walk away out of my marriage. And for the Lord to say, okay, Sister Holloway, but how do you know that he won't change? How do you know that you can't lead him? 
How do you know that you can't um, continue to pray? Listen, how do you know that I can't fix it? How do you know that I can't turn it around? Sister Holloway, I can give you the strength that you need to stand. I can increase your faith to hold on. So having this conversation with the Lord. And so God has given me peace about my decision, but he's also going to turn right back around and say, so what you're saying is you don't believe that I can do it. So basically what you're saying is you would rather just walk away and be done with it and let bygones be bygones. Because in Hebrews, it tells us that um, it is impossible to please the Lord without faith. Because we got to know, we got to first know who he is and we got to diligently seek him and know that he is a rewarder to, he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. So if we're not diligently praying, if we're not diligently seeking, if we're not diligently fasting, then how, then how can we, how do we know that through our praying, through our fasting, that God can't do it? So when I say to you on today that God has done it for me and I know that he can do it for you, but my situation and your situation is totally different. We can be brought out the same, but we don't go through the same scenarios. So therefore, when it says that a brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. So we can never just give somebody advice on one-sided information. Hello, somebody. Which leads me to continuing in my conclusion. First Peter 3 and 1 says this. And the reason why, and let me say this. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. And the reason why I came in this direction is because nine times out of ten, um, there's one woman in the house of God to five. I mean, I'm sorry. Yes, there's five women in the house of God to one man, which means there's more women in the house of God than there is men. So women, when we say, I don't understand why it's got to start with me. I don't understand why I got to pray. I don't understand why I got to fast. I don't understand why I got to go through this. I don't understand why he got to use me. Why do I got to go first? Well, I tell you what, when we all die and get to heaven <laughs> and you go and you cross Eve, you just look at her. <laughs> and that right there is going to speak to you. <laughs> because we as women, we are some strong women. We think that we can't handle it because in the Bible, it calls us the weaker vessel. So we think that we're weak. We think that we have no power. We think that we have no influence. We think that we have, listen, Eve calls Adam to disobey God. So women, why do you think you don't have the power to pray? Why do you think you don't have the power to fast? Why do you think you don't have the power to hold on? Why do you think you don't have the strength to stand? <laughs> Listen, honey, we was given the power the day we received the, the rib from the man. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, listen, y'all, some of y'all don't give yourself enough credit. 
And when you are obeying the word of God, and when you are standing with God, and God knows you're not doing anything wrong, and God knows you've not said anything wrong, and the, the whole light of Jesus is on you and in you, do you not realize how if you work on you and you stay before God, God will turn that man around and bring him to the cross and bring him to Christ and bring him back to you? And when he brings him back to you, that brother is changed. And can't nobody do that but God. Why? Because God has called us to peace. And when we can have peace in where we are, then no matter what goes on around us, no matter what that brother do, no matter what that sister do, it won't affect you. And when it doesn't affect you, you won't be infected. Oh, y'all don't hear me. So listen, First Peter 3 and 1. First Peter 3 and 1. Peter reassured Christian women married to unbelievers that they did not need to preach to their husbands. Listen, husband, wife, Christian woman, Christian man, you don't have to preach to your husband or to your wife or to that man or to that woman. And when y'all see me say, watch their husband, wife, man, and woman, because I'm talking to the married and the unmarried. This conclusion is for the married and the unmarried. Hear me, for the married and the unmarried, because there are those who want to get married, but is afraid because they don't want to, they don't, listen, because they see marriages going through. <laughs> and that's why Paul said, be like me. Don't even get married and you ain't got to be dealing with all of that, bro. You ain't got to be doing, dealing with all that, sister. You ain't got to, you ain't, uh-uh. Listen, if you put your focus in on Jesus Christ, you ain't, you ain't going to be worried about what they got going on. It ain't going to bother you. It ain't going to affect you. <laughs> so listen, Peter reassured Christian women married to unbelievers that they did not need to preach to their husbands. Under their circumstances, their best approach would be loving service. Can somebody say, you must have love? You must, you must have love. You must have love. And this is why sometimes God tries to, to, to uh, God wants you to give it to him because once the love is gone, it's a wrap. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, once the love is gone or it begins to diminish Every day, hear me, once that love is gone or it begins to diminish, it is so hard to pray. It is so hard to stand. It is so hard to speak. It is so hard to move because now you are just numb to it. But that's God don't want us to get numb to it to where we're no longer seeking him and we're no longer praying to him and we're no longer fasting. He wants us to stay before him. If we live for Christ, we'll stay in Christ. 
Esther said, I gave up on love 10 years ago. So I prayed for God to send me somebody. And he did. Praise God, Sister Esther. And we do sometimes. We'll give up on love because of the hurt. We'll give up on love because of the abuse. We give up on marriage because of the backbiting, the infidelity, the, the, the sowing of discord, the division, um, the family members, the, the in-laws, the friends, places, jobs. We'll give up on love so quick. That's why we won't marry because we're afraid. We don't want to deal with it. We would rather stay single and just, we would rather stay single and uncommitted because we think that's e that's the easiest thing to do, but you're sinning. If you're having sex without Mary, you're singing, you're sinning. And if you're praying to God every day to forgive you for that same sin, you're now be you've now been turned over to that lust demon, to that fornication demon. Just saying. Y'all need to yeah, I'm just saying. Under the circumstances, their best approach will be loving service. They should show their husbands the kind of self-giving love that Christ showed the church. By being exemplary wives, they would please their husbands. At the very least, the men would then allow them to continue practicing, as they called it in that time, strange religion. I ain't going up to that church. I ain't going up to that cult. I ain't going over there. All they want to do is control your life. I ain't going over there to that to that church that you that you call this. I ain't gonna serve them. I ain't paying my tithes. I ain't giving them my money. I'm not going there, and I don't want you going there either. I'm just saying, I've been there. Listen, at best, their husbands would join them and become Christians too. So when verse sixteen says. How do you know, husband, that you can't save your wife? How do you know, woman, that you can't save your husband? We Christian men, we Christian men and Christian women want to bring them to Christ, not push them to Satan. Our attitudes, our character, our integrity is what leads. It should never cause them to bleed. The Lord spoke to my heart one day. Listen, the Lord spoke to my heart one day. I was arguing with my husband. We was in a hard, we was in a heated argument. Very heated, 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 heated. And this was, um, we're in 2020. This was in 2018. This was in 2018. And we were arguing and it was heavy. I mean, this thing, I mean, y'all, it bow. I mean, it was crazy. and. Literally, 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 I kid you not. The spirit of the Lord spoke to me. The spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, if you continue to show your husband the ugliness, he will never see the beauty in you. I had to take my glasses off when I said that because I also wrote it down. If you continue to show your husband the ugliness of you, he will never see the beauty in you. That conviction broke me down. 
we think we should be nice or treat others with respect or honor, but we forget that our husbands or our wives or our boyfriends or our girlfriends are people too. They have feelings as well. And women, wives, men, husbands, we need to stop thinking that men or women don't have feelings or emotions. More importantly, women, stop thinking that men don't have feelings because they're always messing up. They're always making stupid decisions. They always making stupid choices. They always going to stupid places. They're always doing something stupid. Not all men, not all men, just some men, just some, not all, just some. Stop thinking that some of these men don't have feelings or emotions. This is my conclusion to, but God have called us to peace. God has called us to peace. If we're not going to live the Christian lifestyle that God has called us to do for the unbeliever that we chose to marry, if we think that we can't bring them to Christ, then the scripture says, let them depart. You got to let them go. You can't hold on to them. You can't be selfish. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers a multitude of sin. You don't uncover your spouse. You don't uncover your wife. You don't uncover your husband. You don't uncover your boyfriend. You don't uncover your girlfriend. That is how people, family members, friends, co-workers make decisions based off of what you uncover. How do we uncover? We talk about them to our family members. We talk about them to our friends. Satan uses that fine brother. Satan uses that gorgeous woman for you to conversate with and tell them all the bad and the evil things that your boyfriend or your husband or your wife or your girlfriend is doing to you. And Satan will use them people to make you think they're the perfect people in the world. But if you find perfection in them, then why you can't see perfection in your unbelieving spouse, your unbelieving boyfriend, your unbelieving girlfriend? Through your character and through your integrity can lead them or it can cause them to bleed from your hands, from your way of doing things from, from you doing or being just as worse as they are. Just saying. So 
Esther says a friend of mine wrote a song, Love Covers All. I mean, love covers all sin. I don't do it anymore. That's gossiping to me. It is. It is, Sister Esther. It is. If you can't, that's why the scripture, that's why the scripture in Matthew 19 and, and Matthew 19 versus um the whole chapter. Let's read the whole chapter, 19. That's why it says that the husband is to leave mother and father and cleave to his wife. When you cleave to your spouse, y'all should be able to have a good communication. Y'all should be able to come to one another and discuss the problems, discuss the issues. Discuss what's happening. I keep saying this. When you're dating somebody, sometimes I, I, I put a meme. I did a meme today. I saw a meme and I had to change it. It says, cause the internet to slow down. <laughs> cause the internet to slow down. And it'll show you. It'll show it, their character will sure come out. If they get angry, you honey, walk away. <laughs> walk away before you say I do. I'm just saying. So listen, I want to thank you all for tuning in to the conclusion of but God has called, but God has called us to peace. I want to thank you all for listening. So when I do, says it so I don't, the wows of the vows. On next week, I'm starting another series. I'm not going to tell you just yet because I'm, I got to take the next three days to pray and make sure that's the area that God wants me to go into. Yes, um, I am a marriage counselor. I do premarital counseling and I do it six to 12 weeks. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Listen. People are having people are having counseling for three days and you're divorced in three days. People are having counsel, counsel, a premarital counseling one day and then you're divorced in one day. Because you don't find those people giving you the, 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 the counsel of when it shifts, when it goes bad. The wows of the vows. When the wows of the vows tells us that I take you, my lawfully wedded husband or wife, or take you to be my lawfully wedded spouse to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, to death do us heart according to God's holy ordinance. What is the law of God's holy ordinance? That when you marry, it is to death do you part. It is forever. It is forever. So, yes, I believe that when my husband and I went through hell, the first 10 years of our marriage, and then we separated for two years. And we came back together because we obeyed God. But we had counseling for three months in 2016. We counseled. Two of our dear close friends counseled us for three months. So we were able to go on our cruise and have peace. We had peace. 
My husband was able to go deep down and bring some things out that 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 bothered him. Because there is there is one thing that we disagree with. There is one thing that we disagree with. But I believe the scripture. If somebody comes to you and they ask for forgiveness, there's no stipulation. You do not have to ask them, well, what did you do? If they ask you for forgiveness in your heart, you are to forgive them. If they choose to tell you, praise God. But if they choose not to, that's not scripture. It doesn't really matter how many times somebody comes to you and asks for forgiveness, you are to forgive them. But my husband believes that if somebody asks for forgiveness, you got to know why you're being forgiven. Hello, Pastor Davis. That's not my belief. It's never been my belief because I'm one of those. I don't live in my past. If 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 I if I bump into you and I say I'm sorry, I don't feel like that it should go way and beyond that. If you come back to me three months later and you say I'm really feeling something way that you bumped into me, and I'm gonna say to you, well, on that day you said you forgive me, you forgave me for bumping into you. So now it's no longer my issue. That's between you and God. Don't bring me back into that place. I'm no longer there. I've been left that area. That's me. I'm, I don't hold grudges. Do I be feeling some type of way? I do. But I don't hold grudges in my heart. If me and you can have a conversation, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. Let's work it out. But don't hold hold on to it and harbor on it. And you be treating me like crap, tre treating me like trash, dogging me out, being side, side eye with me. And I'm sitting there like, okay, what did I do? Because I'm thinking, oh, what, did I do anything? Did I say anything? I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. And then you worried about something that happened 10 years ago? Oh, babe, boy. Come on, babe, girl. Let's, let's, we, let's, uh-uh. That's not who I know, ma'am. No, sir. I never knew why I was always that person. And I didn't know God. I didn't listen. I didn't get saved. I didn't get truly saved and truly delivered until 2006. I'm just going to tell you. I'm just going to be real with you. That's right. It doesn't, Sister Esther. I'm just going to be real with you. I've, I've, I, to this day, I know now why I'm that way because it's God. Because God needed me to let you all know don't hold on to grudges. If you got a problem with somebody, have a conversation. Talk about it. It doesn't matter if it's with your wife or your husband. Have a conversation. If they hurt your feelings, have a conversation. If they said something while you were around a group of people, your friends, and they hurt your feelings, you ain't got to say anything right there because I just said, don't uncover your spouse. Don't uncover them. I just said that. You wait till you get home and have a conversation. Don't go to bed angry. Don't go to bed mad. Don't slam doors and cupboards. And then you don't want to give them no sex, man or female. Doesn't really matter who. Don't mistreat them because you could have just had a conversation. You could have just said, you know, what you said back there really hurt my feelings. And so do we need to have a conversation? Did I say something previous before then? That I do something for you to feel that you had to make that conversation, that you had to embarrass me because you embarrassed me. You made me feel small. You belittled me in front of our friends. Why would you do that? Why would you say things like that? Is that how you truly feel? 
Don't be embarrassed and don't feel guilt and don't feel shame. I said this a few days ago. Don't make them make you feel that way. And don't you feel like you're, you, you can't, and don't you feel like you can't have that conversation. It doesn't matter if they receive you or not. Have the conversation. And then once you have that conversation, oh my God, hear me. And then once you have that conversation, even if they don't even receive it, even if they don't receive it, then you take it to God in prayer and you leave it there. Whatever, don't allow that thing to fester in your heart. Minister Stacy used to always say this, Lord God, fix it in my mind before it manifests in my heart. Because once it's in my heart, it's going to come out of my mouth. Why? Because the scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So God has called us to peace. So we didn't got to cause confusion and we ain't got to cause unnecessary drama because of what they have going on. Have a conversation. Talk about your issues. Talk about your struggles. If they do something that you just don't like, have a conversation. I don't like when we get around our friends and you always feel like you got to embarrass me. Let them know that's, let them recognize that they're doing it. Because let me tell you something. There are some people who don't recognize that they're doing it. They don't know that it's hurting your feelings. If you don't say it's hurting my feelings, it's making me feel stupid. I have an issue with compromising. And I'll tell my husband in a minute, okay, don't talk to me like I'm a child. But you know I struggle with comprehension. So therefore, I just need you just to let me know how exactly you want it so I can do it exactly the way that you need it to be done. But if I never release that and he never knows that to be, then how can he work on it? How can he fix it if, if I never open up my mouth? So man, woman, husband, wife, communication is the key. That's why that is where arguments come in at. And that is what causes us to want to walk away from our relationship and walk away from our marriage because Satan will bring that sweet talking brother Satan will bring that sweet talking woman in your in your view and because your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend is not receiving that from you and Satan will say, thank you, Lord God, thank you, Jesus. Like he did Eve. He made her eyes to desire that tree. Lord have mercy. Hey, Brenda. Lord have mercy. It was Satan that caused Eve's eyes to desire that tree. That is what Satan does. Hello, Bishop. That is what Satan does. Satan causes our eyes to leave our prize. Satan causes our eyes to leave our prize. Boom. Satan causes our eyes to leave our prize. Satan does that. That is why when I say we can have peace 
but we choose to argue. We choose to bicker. We choose to backbite. We choose to gossip. We choose to uncover our boyfriend or girlfriend. We choose to uncover our wife or our husband. We choose. Instead of asking God to give us peace about the situation and pray about it so that we can go to them and say, listen, we need to have a conversation. But don't have that conversation while you're angry. Don't have that conversation while you're already mad. Don't have that conversation while you're already feeling some type of way. Take it to God in prayer. And trust me when I say, sometimes you won't have to say a word. God will convict their heart. God will show them where they messed up at. God will show them where they made the mistake and you won't have to say a word. And on other times, God will bring a door opener for you to have that conversation. I'm talking about God has called us to peace. I just said that earlier about Philippians 4, 7 and 8. We got to guard our heart. We got to guard our mind from the enemy. How do we do that? By putting on the breastplate of righteousness, by putting on the helmet of salvation, that always having our feet shod with preparation, being prepared. Oh, I got to take this. Hold on one second. Oh, and I can't push balls. Y'all just hold on. I got to take this. Hello? Okay, I'm sorry. I had to take that call. But listen, I'm done with this. This was the conclusion of this series. Know that I love y'all. And know that God loves y'all more. But think about it. God has called us to peace. When I do, turns into I don't. The wows of the vows. Go back and watch the replay. Go back and watch the other series. On next week, we'll be starting another one. Know that I love you. Know that God loves you more. Continue to pray for me as I continue to pray for you. God bless you.